Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. It's hard to believe that we are but a few weeks away from, from Easter Sunday. Can you believe it? I was already thinking to myself, the month of March is almost over. We're, we're, we're almost in April right now. I'll tell you, earlier this week, the Lord loved us so much, he was willing to allow us to have one more cold snap. Anybody enjoy that earlier in the week? Did that ruin anybody's spring break plans earlier this week that was trying to get out into the sun? Anybody trying to avoid and get as far away from spring break because Florida is just the place that everybody is coming to? It's good for business. <laughs> I can't believe it, though, that spring, or not spring break, Easter, forget spring break, that's done. Is it done? Every year it gets longer and longer. like two months it never ends what are we doing no I can't believe that Easter is almost here Easter Sunday I'll tell you um I'm excited about Easter uh, I'm excited about the season uh, you know there's several times a year that you know the world they they say hey that's the time I'm gonna actually go to church <laughs> Christmas and Easter and so in those moments, it's so necessary that we absolutely capitalize on it as going out and reaching people, inviting people, getting them into the house of God so that they can encounter the goodness and the love of God. Amen? Amen? Well, we're talking about this subject this morning. <laughs> going out and reaching our world with life. It's not the title of the message, but I wanted to take a moment, though, and just highlight the fact that Easter is one of the most incredible times that we can be intentional in our community. The Bible says this in the, in the book of Romans. It talks about the fact in chapter 10, how will they believe if they've never heard the gospel? And how are they going to hear it if no one's ever preached it? And, 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 and how will it be preached if we don't go? Tell somebody next to you, you need to go. Tell somebody else you need to go. Now you take ownership and say, I will go. But I, I do want to be clear about something because as important as it is during this season and this time, whether it be for our handful of, of, of special services that we have going on, Good Friday, which is going to be an incredible time of worship and communion, uh, that we'll have together, of course, the Easter Sunday morning, the Resurrection Sunday morning. Um, uh, it, it's important that we understand, though, that, that when we come together on, on those times, we're, we're not coming here for a special Easter experience in a program. We're coming here to encounter Jesus. We're coming here to encounter, as we do every time that we gather, resurrecting power. Because the concern is not, not for... Not, not, not for for this church, not for our church, but you're going to have many people that are going to go for an Easter experience and all they're going to experience is entertainment. And so you're going to have a lot of churches that are full, but a lot of hearts that are going to leave empty. And we're not here to play games 
And we're not here just to have a full house. We're here for hearts to be uh, uh, filled with the goodness of God, the love of God, the life-changing knowledge of Jesus, that he was willing to die on a cross for you, for me, so that we can live this abundant life, this life of victory, this life of freedom, this life of salvation that comes in him and him alone. And so I want to tell you that I'm believing that Easter Sunday is going to be a powerful day, that the altar is going to be filled with those that are saying yes to Jesus. But let me tell you something, it doesn't start and stop with that Sunday. I had a baseball coach that told me one time, I got up to bat when I was, uh, uh, when I was 13 or 14, I was playing on this special uh, uh, travel league, and I got up to bat this one time, and I remember it was my first at, at bat in this game, and I hit a home run, and I felt like a million bucks. Just absolutely crushed it. Sent that baseball on a full send into the other stratosphere. I don't even know where it went to. Man, I did my slow trot going around the bases. Come on now. Look at me. Right? That's how I trot around the bases. I dance the same <laughs> as I trot. What do we call it, Andrew? Slippery hips. going around the bases, I get all the way, you know, to, to home plate, I got to do the, the classic, just give honor to God props, you did it Lord, right, but then on the inside, you know, I'm like, man, I know I just crushed that, I did awesome, that was good, my batting coach pulled me aside, he said, man, that was that was nice. Nice? What are you talking about, man? I just crushed that baseball out of the park. It was amazing. That was nice. What are you talking about? He said, let's see if you can do it at your next step bat. Mm. Easter Sunday is going to be powerful. My question is, what's going to happen at the next step bat the following Sunday? And the Sunday after that? And the Sunday after that? See, is, is our encounter with God about a moment? Or is it about who we are as the people of God that says until the whole world knows our God reigns? See, this is more than just a song for my life. This is more than just a moment that we worship together. It's until the whole world knows that God is a good God, that God loves them, that God wants to bless them, that Jesus gave it all so that we could have it all but not keep it to myself so that now I could bring all of who Jesus is into my community and let somebody know about the goodness of God. So my question is, what are you all going to do at the next at-bat? What are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do this week? Because somebody is waiting on you right now. You are an answer. Tell somebody, you're an answer. You're an answer to a problem. You're an answer to a situation. You're an answer to an equation. And somebody is waiting on you right now to bring the good news of what God has done in your life, to impact their life, to shift their life, to change their life. They're waiting on you right now. In fact, some people might not even step foot in this church, ever. A lot of people probably won't. And the reality is this, is that even though they don't step foot in this church, it doesn't mean that we allow them to not have a moment to encounter Jesus because the truth about it is this, the only version of Jesus that people might see is the one in you. They might not see it in this church, but they'll see it in you. 
And so the question is, how are you loving people with the love of Jesus? What are you doing to bring Jesus to your community? Or are we so concerned and so consumed with what is going on in our life that we're allowing others to go by the wayside and die? My grandfather, who founded this church, Bishop Woody, he had this vision, and I, and I shared this earlier in, in our leadership class this week, but I said he had this, he had this vision it was, it was as if it, it was a waterfall and, and water was just, was just rushing over and rushing over and rushing over. And in this vision, he began to break down in tears because as he was seeing this waterfall, it wasn't that it was water, it was people that were just flowing and going down to hell. And the Lord burdened his heart and he said, he said, people every single day, they're dying and they're going to hell because they have not been given opportunity to hear the gospel, the good news that can change their life, that can change the trajectory in which they're going. But will you be the one? I'm here to ask you this morning, will you be the one? Will you be the sent one that will go? That will let somebody know. I got a strong conviction in my heart this morning and this is why I'm speaking so strongly right now about this is because the Bible is very clear that we are the sent ones the book of Mark chapter 4 and and I'm going to have us turn our attention there this morning but I want to I want to speak from this passage I want our hearts to be stirred I want you to leave from here not saying pastor this was a good service thank you I want you to leave from here with the holy conviction that there is somebody in our community right now that is waiting on you there is somebody on the job right now that needs to hear your testimony there's somebody in your family right now that is waiting for you to love them the way that Jesus loves you there is somebody right now and if we don't go how will they know if we don't go how will the world know so the Bible says in the, in the book of Mark, Jesus, he shares a series of, of parables in chapter, chapter 4 of the book of Mark. He shares, he shares three different parables about the sowing of the seed. And the first parable that, that he talks about in the opening statements of Mark chapter 4, he talks about the sower that sows the, the word. And, and he talks about the three different grounds that, that can't take the seed. We've heard this passage, it's been preached about it so many times. Seed is on the path, but the bird comes and snatches it. Seed goes upon the shallow soil, but when the sun comes, there's no root system, and so it gets scorched right out. Seed that goes amongst the thorns, but the cares of the world chokes it out. So how will it take? It has to go on good ground. There is good ground right now in our world that we live in. Contrary to what the world is saying, there is good ground right now. There are people that are waiting on the word of God to be planted in their heart. They just don't know it yet. Good soil does not know that a seed is going to come into its atmosphere, into, its, in, in, into where it is. Until that seed gets there, it does not know what it's capable of. There's a world that does not know what it's capable of. But what if you bring the word? What if you bring the seed? What if it is planted into the hearts of men and women that think that they're so far from God that's given up on life, they're broken and they're down and they're out, but you've got the answer. And so the parable talks about the seed that makes its way into good soil. And Jesus says that it will produce some 30, 60, and a, and a hundredfold. As the passage goes on, we find ourselves in, in, in Mark Chapter 4, verse 26, and he gives this parable right here. And this is where I want us to focus our attention for a few moments this morning. 
It says this in, in verse 26, and he said, The kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know, for the earth yields the crop itself, first the blade, then the head, and that the full grain that is in the head. But here's where I want us to lean in this morning, verse 29. But when the grain ripens, when the grain ripens, immediately he puts it in the sickle because the harvest has come. If there was one line of text that I want to just burn in your hearts today that you can carry with you this week, it's simply this, when the grain ripens. When the grain ripens. In other words, when the grain is ready. There are people right now that are waiting on you. And Jesus uses this illustration. He says, when the grain is ripe, that the harvester or the laborer will come with the sickle and gather it. Anybody know what a sickle is? Anybody done any farming, any gathering? A sickle is a hook. And so the laborer will go into the field when the, when the harvest is ready, and they'll go with this hook, and they will gather it all up. And they will take it into the bundles, and they'll bring it into the safe space where it belongs once it is harvested. And Jesus, he, he, he uses this, this picture, he uses this parable to simply say this, is that when the grain ripens, when the grain is ready, the laborer will go and he will gather it. In other words, we need to go and gather. What does Jesus say? He says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Why are the laborers few? Why are the laborers few? The harvest is plenty. The world is waiting on us right now. Why is it so few of us that are willing to go out and share the gospel and, and, and allow our lives and our testimony to become the net that catches the people? See, Jesus tells Peter this, as he says, you're no longer going to be a fisher of fish, but you're going to be a fisher of men. And though you were in the boat and you fished fish with a net, you caught people with the net, now you're going to fish men and the net will be your word, will be your testimony. I'm here to tell you this morning that your word, your testimony becomes a net that catches and pulls people in so that they know the goodness of God. How will people know if we don't go? The harvest is plenty. The laborers are few. But what if, what if there was a righteous conviction inside of us that said, without fail, this week, I'm going to let somebody know that God's a good God, that God loves them, and God wants to bless them. This week, I'm going to let somebody know what God's done in my life. Why are we so ashamed to share about our own testimony of what God has done? Why do we second guess, is this going to be awkward if I tell somebody in public that Jesus loves them? Meanwhile, we can allow the world's agenda to say anything and everything, and we've bought into it, and, we're, and we tolerate it like, like it's okay. Like it's absolutely okay. But Jesus, ooh, God forbid I made the atmosphere uncomfortable. You know what? I want to make the atmosphere uncomfortable. Because if they don't hear that God loves them, if they don't know that Jesus gave his life for them, then what are they going to live by? Actually, what are they going to die by? And there has to be something inside of us that shifts, that says without fail, I'm going to let somebody know how good my God was or how good my God is. Dare I say everybody in here has a story and your story matters. 
The Bible says in the book of Revelation, the way that we overcome the world is the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You have a testimony. And I want to tell you this, is that your testimony is constantly being written. Your testimony is constantly being written. Your testimony doesn't stop because God has greater levels for your life. What he did in your life 10 years ago, that's great, praise God, but he wasn't done 10 years ago. He wanted to continue and, and desires to continue to do greater things in your life. So your testimony does not stop. Some of us, we wait till we think that we have it all together before we feel like we can go and let somebody know about God's goodness. I'm going to tell you this. The church is the only place that we are constantly people in process. You will never achieve perfection in this earth. We strive for that on the job. There's different levels and measures in the world system when it comes to our job. You can work for a, a company, an organization, and reach the apex uh, of, that, of that organization by being a CEO. I'm going to be my own boss. I can reach a certain height of perfection, but the church is the only place that we are people in process because we are not perfected until Jesus comes back. And so how dare we say, until I have it all together, I can't tell somebody. No, God's not looking for those that are perfect. He looks, he's looking for those that are willing. He's not waiting on you to have it all together. He's waiting on you just to get out there and tell somebody that God is good. So if you think, I can't share my testimony, oh no, friend, you can. Because your story matters. How he healed you. How he saved you, how he changed you, how he picked you up. Your story matters. And I'm here to tell you today that the grain is ripe and it's waiting on your story, it's waiting on your testimony, it's waiting on your word. I want you to say this morning, my story matters. Now Jesus, two chapters later in the book of Mark, he, he brings his disciples aside and he gets ready to commission them. And I want to just read this passage this morning and share a few more thoughts. And allow the Lord just to continue to paint the picture on our hearts for, for how he wants us to see things and how he wants us to respond. Because I'm here to, to tell you this morning, you're commissioned. You are commissioned this week to reach your world with life. It's called the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. Jesus didn't think it was a good idea. No, he said, this is what you're supposed to do. We are commissioned to reach our world. But the Bible says this, book of Mark, chapter 6. Two chapters later, he says this, verse 7. And he called the twelve to himself, the twelve disciples. It says, and he called the twelve to himself, and he began to send them out. Two by two. And he gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for their journey except for a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts. No bag, no bread, no money. It's a pretty tough journey. He says, but wear sandals and don't put on two tunics. Tells you the days that they were living in. Verse 10 says this, and he said to them, in whatever place you enter the house, stay there until you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you, 
nor hear you when you depart from there. Shake off the dust from under your feet as a testimony against them. Surely I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than that city. Last verse I want to read to you this morning. So they went out and they preached. The people should repent. They casted out demons and they anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Jesus calls the twelve together. He sends them out and he empowers them. See, I want to tell you this, is that the gospel is not complicated. The gospel is absolutely not complicated at all. We as people, as individuals, are as complicated as it gets. And we complicate the word of God and we try to, to, to understand how does this work and what's the way that this thing happens. And, 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 how's it, and, and it's as simple as this. Love God, believe in him, be obedient, walk in blessing. How does it get any more complicated than that? Love God, be obedient, walk in blessing. Jesus tells the disciples, preach, heal, deliver. The gospel is not, this, this right here is not rocket science. It's simple. It's life. It's power. It's truth. But we complicate it. Jesus says this, he says, if you're going to be my disciple and follow me, you need to deny yourself, pick up or take up your cross, and follow me. The reason why this is complicated is because we don't want to deny ourselves. we want to indulge in ourselves. And along the way, we're trying to figure out how God can work out our indulgence, and he didn't say for you to indulge, he said for you to deny. And the, willing that I can, the moment I'm willing to lay down myself pick up my testimony and go out into the world is the moment that now I'm seen as one of his disciples. And so Jesus, he tells the 12, and he says this, he says, go, preach, heal, deliver. It's a pretty simple book. Preach, heal, deliver. Everyone in this room has the capacity and the ability to preach and proclaim the gospel. You don't need the preacher on this platform. Jesus didn't come and say that the only ones that were allowed to preach were the ones that are on the platform holding the microphone. No, all of us have the ability to proclaim the good news of God because that's simply what it is. The word preach means to proclaim. The word proclaim means to publish. And every day, all of us, we publish something. If not, social media would not be filled with all of your posts. So if you've got the ability to publish with your thumbs, you have the ability to publish with your lips. I told you, I'm bringing a strong word this morning. Oh, but pastor, I've heard that. Yeah, you've heard that? Is that why your family's not serving the Lord? You've heard that? That's why people on the job around you don't know Jesus? You've heard this? I'm telling you this morning, I'm, I have a conviction in my heart that enough is enough. I am not going to live my life allowing my children, my family, my church to be subjected to the lies of the devil. I'm not going to live my life allowing this church to be infiltrated with the nonsense of the enemy. We are a powerful church, which means you are a powerful people. Jesus said that he, that, that, that he called the disciples... Then it said that he sent the disciples, and then it said that he gave them power. You are empowered today. 
Three simple things with this gospel, with this word. You are called, you are sent, and you are empowered this week. Called, sent, and empowered. Jesus goes on and he tells them, in order for you to, to be sent and to be empowered, there's only two things that you need to carry with you, and that is your walking stick, your staff, and your shoes. Thank you, Jesus, that you care about my feet. Bless God. But he says, bring no bag, bring no money, bring no bread. In other words, he says, don't bring stuff. Don't bring stuff. Some of us were so caught up, is our stuff all together, that we think that our stuff is what validates our story. Your stuff doesn't validate your story. God's glory and his goodness and his love in your life is what gives you your story, not your stuff. That's why he says, seek first the kingdom. Everything's added after that. Tell somebody about how you encountered the kingdom and what God did in your life in a moment that you were far from God and you were broken and you didn't know how it was going to work out, but Jesus loved you in the middle of that mess and he saved you and he restored you and he strengthened you. Tell them about that. Don't tell them about your stuff. We're so caught up with stuff. Everything is about stuff. Instagram, if I just whisper it out loud, it suggests buy this stuff. I'm tired of stuff. Lord, I just, I want a story. I want to speak your word in love and in truth. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I want to let people know how good you are. Every day we have an opportunity. You don't understand, man, I got such a busy life going. I got such a busy life too. But every day I have to be missional, which means I have to be intentional. I deliberately every week make sure that I take an Uber. Because without fail, for 120 seconds from my house to this building, that person, that driver is stuck with me, which means I'm going to present the gospel. I don't wait for the divine appointment. I set the divine appointment. Because I know that God has given me something that if I can just love somebody, encourage somebody, help somebody, whatever the case may be, it is a moment. Every moment you have an opportunity and a responsibility that you can bring the good news of Jesus Christ to your community. So Jesus says, don't take any of these things. Just bring your shoes. Because your feet need to be protected. Also, too, he says this, I give you authority and power that if serpents try to come into the situation, you can stomp them out. Some of y'all need to know that the Lord's protected your feet so when the devil thinks he's going to try and sneak and snake his way into your life, you can say, not today, Satan, under my feet. Under my feet. Not today, anger, not today, offense, not today, brokenness, not today, confusion, not today, sickness, not today. Under my feet. But this is the power and the authority that you have in Christ. You don't need the pastor to do it for you. You don't need the preacher to do it for you. You can be that. You are that. You're the sent ones. Power to just lay your hands on somebody that is working next to you and let them know it's going to be all right. You can minister healing by just simply praying for somebody. I don't know what to say. Just say in Jesus' name, be healed. Can I tell you a lot of times I don't know what to say? So just say in Jesus' name, 
be healed. I wish I knew every line of text that was in this book. But I don't. Sometimes I try to be fancy and make sure that I get every single address right. I'm the worst with the addresses in this book. I fumble all, all over them all the time. I love it when people on social media say, well, no, that's not where that says that. It actually says it there. Here's the podium. You can have the microphone. You give it a try. There's a lot of words in this book. And I can complicate it. But I just say, Lord, at the end of the day, this book represents life, salvation, healing, and deliverance. So in Jesus' name, be healed. In Jesus' name, be healed. In Jesus' name, be delivered. Because that's who Jesus is. Jesus didn't try to complicate the situation. He didn't even tell the, the, the disciples now, make sure you go into the temples and grab all the scrolls that are in there so that you can cite the prophet Isaiah everywhere that you step foot so that people know that you're educated. God doesn't care how educated you are in his word or not. Now, he doesn't want people to be ignorant of his word. He wants us to study the word. The Bible says study the word that you can show yourself approved. But you don't have to feel like you got to measure up to somebody's spiritual intellect in order for you to share the gospel. Share your story. So just share your story. Share your story of what God's done in your life this week. Let them know that God is good. Man, you're just starting to say the same things over and over. I am. Because if there's nothing else that you take away, the grain is ripe and it's waiting on you to collect it with your testimony and with your story. Hook them. Have a Holy Ghost hook this week with your story. Tell them. They're waiting on you. So Jesus keeps it simple and he tells, fellas, I called you, I sent you, and I empower you. You've got authority in this thing. But what I like is he actually sends them two by two. Because at the end of the day, I mean, life's better together, right? Can I tell you really quick several reasons why two is better than one? See, it's better if we go together and if we do life together and not feel like we're trying to do this whole gospel thing in and on all of our own. But when we can go out together, and when I mean together, I mean as Abundant Life family, as a community, when we leave from here, that when we're the sent ones, that we're all with the same mission and the same mind, that when we go together, see, because it's way better together, because together we're stronger. Together, we're unified in prayer. Jesus says where two or three are gathered together in his name. He's in the midst of us. Before I came out this morning, took a moment and I asked, I said, told my wife, I said, hey, let's pray. Because when we're unified, Jesus shows up, the Holy Spirit shows up. I'm, we're stronger going out in the time of ministry and ministering. So you're better because you're stronger. You're better because you're unified. You're protected. He sends them out two by two because he says, hey, you can watch each other's back. The body of Christ should be about watching each other's back and not stabbing each other in the back. Because the biggest thing about this is going out, you know, together is that we're supposed to hold each other accountable. Accountability. 
Most people don't want to do life together in the church because they don't like accountability because accountability means I have to expose some things in my life. So you can live your life with salvation and being forgiven, but it doesn't mean that you're free. Because freedom is the moment that I allow myself to be accountable to someone else. But when I allow my life to be accountable, and when we allow our lives to be accountable, then we are strengthened, we're unified, so we're greater and we're better together. So this is why the pastor says, join hands with the person next to you this morning. From strength to strength, we're unified. We're holding each other accountable. Two is always better than one. Two is always better. So he sends them out two by two. The only place in the Bible, by the way, that anyone's noted two by two, Noah did not collect the animals two by two. <laughs> Let's get our Bible straight. Two by two is when Jesus sent out the disciples when he commissioned to go into the world and reach the world with life, preach the gospel, proclaim the good news, lay hands on the sick, bring deliverance, minister freedom. I commission you this week, don't let it just be another week, let it, let it be a moment that the Lord can use you. He's looking for those that are willing, those that are obedient, those that are willing to re respond to the call. He first and foremost called them. Has anybody ever signed up for something before, uh, like a job opportunity or to get on certain like sweepstakes, if that's still a thing? Are sweepstakes still a thing? Are they a thing? And you're waiting on the call, right? The phone rings. Remember the phones that had like the coiled like cord? You could walk to the other end of the house with that. Thing would buzz, you pick it up, you're the lucky winner, right? Or better yet, that job opportunity that you had, 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 had been applying for or waiting for, and they finally called you up and they said, hey, the time is now. What are you going to do if they say, the time is now? What are you going to do if they say, you need to be here in 30 minutes and you live 25 minutes away? You got five minutes to get it all together. That's why Jesus says, carry no bag, no money, no bread. Don't worry about the stuff. Just answer. The, just get there. Jesus will take care of every single one of your needs when you're willing just to answer the call. He will handle every situation and everything that you encounter and, 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 and deal with in life if you're just simply willing to answer the call. But God is calling right now, and he's waiting on us to answer. And he's not waiting for you to try and figure out, am I going to get myself all together? Jesus calls the disciples, they answer the call, they're sent, they're empowered, they minister and they come back and the Bible says that they were full of joy. Oh, there is something so beautiful that when we minister the gospel, that when we reach our world, the Bible says when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. How are the righteous in authority when we're willing to take our rightful place as the children of God, as the men and women of God, to say that my story matters. I can love on somebody this week. I can pray for somebody this week. I can let somebody know that God is good. I just want to close with this story this morning. 
I've shared it before, but it so marked my life when this happened. Two years ago, I was on my way home from the church, and we had a long day filled with meetings. I was really tired, and, and I, just, I really just wanted to get home. At that time, um, we just had our daughter, didn't even have my son yet, and, uh, and, and I knew I needed to get home and be about the dad duties and all this stuff, but and I was just tired. I was worn out, and I was trying to figure out, man, could I sneak in a quick, like, 10-minute nap before I got a, any, any Sunday nappers? I received that blessing <laughs> with joy. Some of us don't even take a Sunday nap. We take like a Sunday coma. Like you go out for hours. Where do they go? Start singing resurrecting power over them. Come on, get out, let's go. Let's get back. It's like a good one. Oh, I love it. Pub subs and naps. The glory of God just came right into this place. So I was on my way home, and uh, I was really tired. We had a long day, and, and I just I wanted a moment just to kind of ha ha have, ha have some rest or just kind of get, get myself figured out. And uh, as I was on my way home, I saw that there was this car that was right outside of my neighborhood that clearly was broken down. And so... Um, as I was getting ready to pull, to, to, to pull down the street where I would go to my house, you know, as, as any good, you know, witness and Christian believer, you know, I just said, well, someone will help that guy out. And I was going to continue to pull right around him. Someone will get to him. I pray for you. Someone will get to him. And the Holy Spirit just rocked me in my heart and said, no, you're the sent one. You need to go. Lord, I got precious minutes. Babysitter's got to go. Things got to get done. Precious minutes to close these eyes. <laughs> he said, no, you, you need to be the one. So I pull up behind the vehicle. I get out of the vehicle, and, and, and there's a gentleman that's there, and he, I could just see he was, his car had broken down, and he was figuring out how to get his car started back up. And, and he was sweaty, and he was dirty from trying to work on the car, and, and he was completely distraught, and just everything about him was a complete mess. And I, and I, and I, 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 of course, I asked the man the obvious question, hey, are you okay? Knowing that, no, I'm not. But I'm thinking like, yeah, 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 I got it, it's good. And then I'd get back in the car and I would leave. Right? But he didn't say that. He said, no, I, it's, 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 it's a bad situation. And in fact, I was on my way uh, for this job interview. I lost my job at the time. This was when, you know, COVID was still a thing. Um, it was that when that was going on, and so he said, I lost my job during that time, and so, you know, I, I've got bills, i got to pay them, I've got kids, and, 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 you know, just everything is kind of messy right now, and I, I'm on my way for this job interview, but my car's broken down, so now I'm not even going to make the job interview, and so it just looks like there's no, no hope, and so I, I told him, I said, well, can I get you some gas and put gas in your car, and he told me, he said, well, you know, there was a lady that came here minutes before you that said that she would go get gas for me. And she said she'd leave and come back. And, you know, those few minutes, actually, it's been over 30 minutes. I don't think she's coming back. But, I, but, but I'm hopeful she will because she said. And so uh, I said, okay. I said, well, here's my cell phone number. If she does not come back, just call me. I live right around the corner. So I got in my car and, 
and something just said, no, go get gas. So I went down to the end of the street, and I went, and I, you know, got one of those containers that they had at the gas station. I filled it up with gas. I got back into the, into the car, and oh, while I was there, too, I knew he was hot, and he must have been out there for a while, so I got water and snacks and all kinds of stuff, and got back to the car, and still, the lady didn't return with gas, and I got out of the car, and I said, hey, can we fill your car up with gas? And he looked, and he saw the water, and he saw the snacks, and he saw the gas, and he just began to cry. He said, you don't, you don't even realize, you don't understand how broken I really am right now. And, and he said, and it's even more than the gas, the fact that you even thought about to bring me water because I was thirsty and I, I you know, got nothing right now. So I said, here, you drink the water, get hydrated. Let me put gas in the car for you right now. And so I helped him put the gas in the car. And so we began to talk and he began to tell me his story, even more detail and, and how he lost his marriage and, and how... He was living with his, with, with, had to move back in with, with his mom and his kids and lost everything. And his mom's now sick and she's having respiratory problems. And here he is just trying to get a job so that he can pay for stuff and know what to do. And so as he's telling me, you know, his story, he does the classic, ask me, what about you? So glad you asked. I said, well... I work right over at that building over there, the one with the big cross up top, right around the corner from here. So I have the great privilege to work at the church, and I'm one of the pastors that's there. And he just said, oh, my goodness. I said, have you ever been to church? He said, I haven't been there in years. So last time I went to the church, you know, they told me everything that was wrong with me and made me feel like I was never welcome. I said, well, brother, that's not the gospel. Jesus sat with the sinners. <laughs> he sat with the broken. He loved those that, that, that were furthest away from anything that was considered the kingdom of God. He wasn't about religion. He wasn't about tradition. He wasn't about the systems. He was about loving the lost. And I told him, brother, Jesus loves you today. And I asked him, I said, you know, can I pray with you? He said, man, that'd be awesome. And I prayed with him and I led him to the Lord that day. In that moment, he was sick in his body and I, and he told me this, and I said, well, can I, pray for, can I pray for you? Because he had been himself having some respiratory issues. And so I, I prayed for him, and in that moment, the power of God touched him, and, 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 and his coughing completely just stopped. God healed him. Another moment went by, and the lady that promised to bring gas actually showed up. <laughs> she got out of the car. She had a thing of gas and he said this is the best day ever people really do love me the most beautiful part about that entire story and this is why it marked me so much and I can see it picture by picture play by play Pastor, your story is running on long. That's fine. It's my story. I will share it in great detail because I know what it did in my life or else I wouldn't be telling it to you this morning. Don't ever hold back your story, the details of your story, because what God's done in your life, somebody needs to know. The girl brings over the container of gas and he totally bugs out in the situation and 
I can't believe it. People really do love me. And then he says this. He looks at the girl and he says, ma'am, Jesus loves me. And guess what? He loves you too. You want to come to my church? He's never stepped foot in this building. But in that moment, he became part of something greater. Because someone was willing to tell him about someone that was greater. The grain is right. Your story matters. Jesus says that the labor immediately puts the harvest in the sickle. He hooks it in. This week, will you allow your story to immediately bring people into the love and the embrace and the truth and the power and the goodness of Jesus Christ? Don't wait for Easter Sunday. Don't wait for somewhere in the near future. Today is what's at hand right now. This moment, this hour is what's at hand right now. It's somebody is waiting on us to go, but how will they know if we don't go? just wanted to be loved. Who is just waiting to be loved? Jesus, let us be the sent ones. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.